Don't allow yourself to fall into that trap. Don't let the advanced capabilities of the technologies or advanced case studies for market leaders lead you to believe that you're too far behind or maybe that you're incapable of leading a transformation initiative. You know, most people, they're just working through a transformation initiative. They haven't done it before and they're learning as they go. Hello and welcome to the 25 Days of Transformation series, where we talk to industry experts and global brands about the highs and lows of digital transformation. We'll learn from real-world business examples, get first-hand industry insights from the digital experts, and we'll take a deep dive into what trends to look out for in the coming months. I'm Tizzy Philp, Strategic Content Lead here at Valtech, and I'm here to guide you through these conversations and to uncover the latest and greatest in digital. On today's agenda, we're talking about digital imposter syndrome and the idea that no matter how much progress you feel you're making within your organization, there's always seems to be someone out there doing more. So how can you as a business conquer your fears of not doing enough or not moving fast enough in a certain direction? This is a feeling that is shared by most, but perhaps only admitted by a few. In an industry shrouded in innovation, speed and achievement, how can people and businesses secure the confidence to keep pushing forward, even if they always feel a few steps behind? Today, I'm joined by Carmen Christ from Michigan State University to talk about the challenges they've been experiencing and how they've learned to move from a sense of digital vulnerability to putting their best foot forward and building confidence through small wins. So Carmen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tizzy. It's a pleasure to be with you today. So as our first university to feature in this series, maybe you could give us some background to the pain points you've been trying to solve at MSU and maybe a little introduction into you and your role as well. Yeah, so I am the Assistant Vice President for Marketing Operations and Innovation at Michigan State University. Uh, My focus areas are in digital experience, in uh, analytics and insights, as well as uh, marketing technology. So that's my background. I work in the central communications office at MSU. Uh, Our focus is on brand and reputation. We have a team of storytellers who are focused on driving an affinity and esteem for our audiences for MSU. So the pain points that we experienced or that we were trying to focus on actually were pretty different at first because of where we started. In our central comms office, we were publishing stories. We have a team of storytellers and we're publishing stories in an internally built uh, content management system. And we were struggling to get engagement with our stories and wanted to drive more engagement. So that was really the initial pain point that we were experiencing. But at the same time, we also were having conversations with communications managers from across campus. MSU has lots of communications managers in different departments. We're very decentralized. And we were learning from them that they needed better tools and they were experiencing some of the same problems that we were. And so we shifted our focus from just trying to get a CMS that would serve our own needs to looking at the campus uh, campus needs and taking more of an enterprise approach to what we were doing. So the, the pain points kind of grew from just looking at digital engagement with this, this central storytelling platform to looking at the pain points that we were experiencing as a university. And those pain points were 
things like an inconsistent and siloed experience for our audiences. So every department kind of focuses on its own needs and what it's trying to drive with their audiences without really thinking about the fact that those audiences traverse across the MSU ecosystem of websites. We also had a lack of understanding of our audience engagement across the enterprise because of these siloed technologies. And we had an inability to leverage our investment in those different technologies. And of course, it was also very difficult to share content and no ability to personalize the experience. So our efforts started with web, uh, but these pain points apply across channels. Like so many of the other organizations we've been speaking to in this series, the common thread seems to be a situation involving, as you say, multiple silos and different levels of digital maturity across the organization. Perhaps you can expand on then how you've managed to navigate all of that. As I mentioned, we're very decentralized. We have hundreds of different departments and each department has its own technology. It has its own communications team varying in size, depending on how important that department views communications to to its goals. It can be very difficult to to navigate these silos, particularly if there's not any benefits, uh, if there's limited benefits, if interest is low, and especially if it's too hard. Uh, I think that's one of the, the things that technology can do is it can be the great convener, as I've shared that with other people on campus. It's, it's something to bring people together around a way to do something that really is only possible in theory when you don't have the technology. But it can kind of feel risky, I think, to, to do that, to bring in a technology before you're actually able to use it because you feel like you need to be able to run right away once you, once you get that technology in place. We benefited from having a, a very good relationship with this group, this community of communicators across campus. It was something that we had strived hard to develop across the university. And uh, what we found was that there was a growing interest in working together, uh, a growing interest, and in, in this may be actually a little bit of the uh, imposter syndrome here, a little bit of a sense of people feeling like they were falling behind and wanting to keep pace with the changing times. I love that you're talking about imposter syndrome. I think it's very easy for a lot of the clients that we speak to or a lot of the people that we've interviewed in this series, whether they're Valtech SMEs or whether they're clients that we've worked with. Everyone's very keen and very quick to talk about how great they are, how how much they've achieved or how, uh, you know, how well things are going for them from a digital standpoint. So it's really refreshing to hear this take on actually feeling a bit vulnerable and We've both mentioned it now, this sense of imposter syndrome. How has that really manifested for you and how has it impacted the way you've approached the workload? Yeah, I think in higher ed, I think we always tend to feel like we're behind from money, from resources. You know, we're not in that sort of competitive private sector. So we, we always tend to feel like we're behind as sort of a starting point. And it's also really easy to get caught up in what market leaders are doing. At the end of the day, they're setting expectation for our consumers. So whether or not uh, we're, we're not competing with Amazon, but we are actually trying to live up to the expectations that an Amazon sets for when consumers engage with, with the university. So we also see lots of examples in trade news and we hear from tech vendors. We hear at conferences that leaders are paving the way. And so it's really easy to conclude that you're behind and possibly not up to the task, which is sort of where I'll admit my own vulnerability here. As we were thinking about getting this new technology for our department, it felt a lot easier. Uh, it would be a lot more simple to, to do something like that. We had done it many times before, but when we were trying to 
look at it from an enterprise perspective, we're suddenly now kind of asking ourselves, are we up to the task? You know, you, you have this sort of assumption that these companies that are leading have teams of people who have done this many times and for many years, and we've never done it before. So, you know, that, that was sort of my admission of, of vulnerability. I think that's great that we're talking about that in more detail. And you touched on it just a little bit in your answer there, this sense that consumers and audiences and whether they're looking at universities or whether they're looking at, at retail, consumers are getting so used to this high level of engagement, high level of service, seamless experiences across multiple touch points. So I can completely understand that there would be a pressure on you to feel like if our audiences and particularly university aged audiences, if our audiences are so used to this way of engaging with, with companies, then we have to follow suit. Let's talk about this idea of celebrating small wins, because when we were having conversations about how we wanted this podcast to go, what kind of topics we wanted to focus on, one of the things that came out of that was the importance of celebrating the small wins, doing little things really well and proving that they're winning. How has that helped you to, to prove success? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I, that I'll relate back to the previous question is just the, the idea of keeping an eye on what market leaders are doing and, and understanding what tech companies are capable of doing. They like to talk about what they're doing in, in the most innovative ways. And I think it's, it's good to know where others are and that should serve as an inspiration, but not a distraction, or and it shouldn't create this sense of imposter syndrome. You know, I think we've all heard of this notion of crawl, walk, run, and it's something that we've really kind of adopted as, as our approach, thinking about the end capabilities as the run state, but then walking that back to the crawl state and thinking about how, you know, how do we crawl first? How do we then walk? And then how do we run? So I think that that's a way to get to some of those initial small successes. Uh, if you try to get to that run state too fast, if you try to do what those market leaders are doing, they didn't start at the run stage either. They, they probably started at crawl. Maybe they moved faster through that process than what other people may be able to do. But I think we all have to go through that process. So at, at MSU, you know, we, we don't do things through a well-funded mandate. <laughs> we have to we have to do things through influence and collaboration. And, and at one time, I thought that was maybe unique to higher education, but I'm, I'm not sure that that is actually. But what we like to do is form a, what we call a coalition of the willing. So that, that's our way of achieving smaller, faster successes. So these are identifying people that we can partner with who have or are like-minded, uh, want to accomplish the same thing. Within the organization. Yeah, yeah, within the yeah. organization, exactly. So I mentioned there are many, many other departments across the, uh, the university. And since we're taking an enterprise approach, we are now partnering with them to implement the technologies as, as we go. And, uh, and we're starting with the Coalition of the Willing. So I think, you know, similar, I'd mentioned earlier that our department is responsible for, for branding. And I think this is sort of a similar approach because if you work with these partners, eventually they'll have a story to tell and, and they'll own and tell that story for you, just like good brand marketing would do for you. And and that's kind of what we're seeing. So I recently had a, an example of that where I'd asked someone I'd worked with for many years how the the project was going. And he had said it was, it was fun to watch the team as they orchestrated their process. 
Uh, he, and he had, was recalling how at one point he had remembered it just being an idea on paper. And I think, you know, I can count on him now to tell his story. It's not my story. It's not my transformation effort, but it's really his story that he can tell. Um, and, and it will contribute, I think, to showing the credibility of our process and, and what it can actually do. What about some of those early successes then? Have you got any figures or facts or, or successes that you could share with us from the work that you've done so far? You know, I, I wish I wish I had that. I don't. But I think, you know, one of the things I've realized as I've thought about the this process is that there's a lot to the process of implementing an enterprise technology like a web experience platform and getting it to that point where you have those business outcomes to look at, you know, sort of in a before and after sort of uh, way, meaning in the beginning, it's just, it's, it's people trying to figure out how to make this platform work. They're used to something that we built solely for one purpose, and now it's much more sophisticated. So there is this time to developing that maturity, getting to the point where people are capable of operating just sort of at a baseline level in the new platform. Uh, and working their way toward, okay, now that we are comfortably working in the new platform and we have our bearings, now we're prepared to start taking advantage of, of some of the, what I'll call advanced capabilities. Yeah, doing the more exciting elements. Yes. Let's talk about what advice you'd give to some people who might be finding themselves in a similar situation to you. And I'm talking about that from both a personal imposter syndrome standpoint. So what advice could you give to other individuals who find themselves in senior digital roles who perhaps feel like they're always on the back foot or that they're not quite sure what what they should be doing, but they've got to behave like they definitely do know what they're doing. And also, you know, what's next for you guys now? You mentioned, you know, your platform's up and running. So now it's time to start working on the more exciting stuff. What's what's What have you got planned? Well, you know, to, to talk about the advice, I would say since the subject here is about digital imposter syndrome, I, I would say don't don't allow yourself to fall into that trap. Uh, don't don't let the advanced capabilities of the technologies or advanced case studies for market leaders lead you to believe that you're too far behind, or maybe that you're incapable of leading a transformation initiative. You know what what we learned from a lot of different companies, uh, partners that we've worked with, as as well as other expert advisors that. Most people are like us. You know, most people, they're just working through a transformation initiative. They haven't done it before and they're learning as they go. You know, that's, I think that was one of the things that made me feel a little bit more at ease was that many are learning as they go. But I think the other thing that I would say is be really clear about what you are trying to achieve and why market leaders are trying to achieve their own goals and outcomes. You have to achieve your outcomes and your outcomes may be different than theirs and require different levels of sophistication than theirs. So I think the advanced capabilities are always the bright, shiny objects that attract us to those platforms. But what's important is what your company needs to achieve in terms of goals and objectives. And I think then the, the other piece of advice I would give is just to, to determine your path to getting there. So what is your own crawl, walk, run that, uh, acknowledges where you are today and uh, identifies where you want to be in the future. I would also stress the importance of people and process in addition to the technology. I really can't emphasize that enough. The, the technology itself 
honestly won't change a thing if you don't address uh, the people, the skills, the organization structure, perhaps, uh, and all the processes that you use to make that technology actually come to life and, and do what you want it to do. As far as what's next, I think our list is, is pretty ambitious, um, but we started with the web experience platform. Um, and so we identified a list of top sites across the university that are most critical in delivering the digital experience for, for the university. And we're kind of more methodically working through those websites, looking at doing an extensive experience review uh, before migrating into the platform. And we're really focusing a lot more on audience. You know, we hear a lot about audience centricity these days. Uh, that's really the approach that we're trying to take is looking at each website, thinking about how people get to the website and where they go from there. So not just trying to improve the digital experience within that particular website, but also across websites across the university. Because while each department can tend to see themselves as wanting to achieve their goals and serve the needs of that audience on their website, the reality is those audiences are also traversing all over the university. And we need to improve the way they engage across the institution. So that's a big focus area. And another focus area is kind of getting back to that people and process. It's about the, the digital maturity, trying to acknowledge where we are today, where we're trying to get to, and what level of maturity we need to work our way through in order to get there. So we're putting some resources in place to, to do that. And the other is Sitecore is a web experience platform. So we're also looking at other technologies like marketing automation platforms, things like CDPs, for example, really, again, with the focus on what is the complete collection of tools that we need uh, in order to be able to improve the experience across channels. And I guess you're looking forward to it being two or three years in the future so that you can look back and see everything that you've achieved and where you've got to with this start small walk jog run process. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you could leave a legacy for MSU, what would it be with the work that you're doing? I think it would be the notion of audience centricity. I, I really do, because as I mentioned, each department, you know, thinking back to the silos, I think silos are set up for a reason. We sometimes look at silos as bad things. Um, I don't think people had bad intent when they created the silos in the first place, but it's, it's looking at what are the adverse effects of silos. And I think one of the adverse effects tends to be that each department, you know, has its own mission, things that it's trying to achieve, but it can't achieve it at the expense of, of the broader I guess, purpose uh, and mission of the university. So as we work our way through the university with our efforts, uh, I would like to be able to look back and say that today, you know, whatever day that happens to be in the future, that we are looking at an organization that is working more in harmony, working more together toward driving goals that are both uh, acknowledging goals, both for, for MSU and our audiences. And then if you asked our audiences, that they would tell you that, that they can see the difference. Common, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. And we're wishing you every success in the future. Maybe we'll get you on the podcast in three years time and see what's going on. That would be great. I'd be happy to do that. Thanks. You've been listening to the 25 Days of Transformation series from Valtech Cafe. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, then why not subscribe and keep up to date with all of the episodes in this series and a whole host of insights from the Valtech Cafe back catalogue. And if you'd like more information about what we do or to get in touch, why not visit us at valtech.com to find out the details. Until next time, thanks for listening.